cool one two three and that's just to <coughs> help my voice carry <laughs> this is the second to last of 24 talks in six days that's pretty hectic <coughs> anyway um, my name is Mark this is my wife Marianne we've been married for 40 years now doesn't that deserve a round of applause <laughs> hey <laughs> 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 we have uh, we have three uh, daughters and five grandchildren. So you're getting a lecture today from Granny and Grandpa. Um, the first ten years of our marriage were seriously they were actually hell on earth, and uh, the next thirty years have been absolutely fantastic. And the thing that we did differently and <coughs> between the first ten and the next thirty is the first 10 we didn't know what we were doing we ate and drank basically anything we wanted to we just were just like normal people uh, I was so normal that I worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken so I could have anything I liked and I did and um, when I got tired of eating the chicken I used to take it across the road and change it for steak at the steakhouse or chips at the chip shop and um, so needless to say I put on weight um, as a young man and that created another whole set of problems one of them being high blood pressure I had high blood pressure at a very young age I was 23, 24 and um, I thought I'd inherited it from my parents and my grandparents because when I went to the army they said no you've got high blood pressure we can't insure you um, because my grandparents had high blood pressure and my parents had high blood pressure so I thought I'd inherited this thing and it turns out it's not the case but we didn't find that out until a couple of years later when I went to the doctor again to get insurance and they said we can't insure you Mr. Shearer I said why? I said because your, high bl your blood pressure is too high you've got to get it down so I'll tell you what here's the medication you need so I took it home to Mary Ann and I said look they want to put me on this medication she says, hang on a second, let's look at the side effects. <coughs> she reads through the side effects. One of the first side effects of high blood pressure medication is diabetes. Oh, hang on a second, I don't want diabetes. She, and then she read further down the list. She said, hang on, Mark, it says uh, erectile dysfunction. I said, I don't want erectile dysfunction. You know what that is? It's when things don't work down here for a man. And it can be very off-putting. Plus, you can't have children. <coughs> I said, no, I don't, want, I don't want that. So I'm going to do something about it. But what do I do? She said, I'll tell you what, from what I've been reading, because she was really healthy when I met her, she said, what I've been reading, you need to stop the coffee. So I said, okay, I'll stop the coffee. Now, what I'm going to tell you, didn't take five minutes. I didn't do it in one day. It takes a couple of years. But I started working on getting the coffee done. And I started reducing the meat in my diet and I actually became a vegetarian while I was working for a restaurant company because the next 20 years I basically spent in the restaurant in the restaurant hotel industry 
so <coughs> so the end of the 10 years came and went and I was completely completely vegetarian I have been vegetarian now for 20 29 30 years 30 years and um, <coughs> completely vegan for about eight of that that means I don't eat dairy products anymore any either <coughs> the main reason is my knees were sore and I wanted to run and the reason I wanted to run is I needed to be fit and because I compete in a motorcycle sport called trials and um, it's a fascinating sport there's no you can see there's no saddle on that bike because you're not allowed to sit down while you're competing and the competition starts at 10 in the morning and runs 2 to 3 in the afternoon and there's people watching you and marking you and if you put your feet down while you while you're riding through these things then they take marks off and the person with the least marks is the winner i am i am for my for my category i am winning and i am 62 today i'm the oldest competitor in the sport i ride with my grandson who is 14 years old and we compete together so it's a lot of fun <coughs> and you have to be fit you have to be strong and you have to have endurance i'm not I'm not saying it in a boastful way i'm saying to make a point that the older you get the fitter and the stronger i am fitter and stronger today than i was at 30 and marianne can tell you the same both of us can run 21 kilometers quite easily and we ride the argus bike because we live in the cape we ride it practically every year <coughs> if we're in South Africa together we run five businesses one of them is a school and we teach children at the school to eat the way we eat in fact they can't even come to the school if they don't agree to eat the way we eat so they all children have lunch in our restaurant from half past 12 to 1 and then they go back to their lessons and these kids <coughs> are learning faster and smarter than any other kids and any other schools that we know of they are off all of their drugs no there are no kids in our school that are on any Ritalin or any drug of any description even the ones that come there that are already taking drugs they're off within the first two or three weeks so diet makes a big difference and I know it makes a big difference <coughs> from first-hand experience because my mom had high blood pressure and then she got diabetes and then uh, she got depressed and then they gave her antidepressants because she was taking medication for the diabetes and for the high blood pressure and then she had to take water pills and then she had to have something to put her to sleep at night and with all of this going on she found me one day and she said Mark <coughs> you better come quickly I'm in trouble and I rushed across to her house and in the little waste paper basket next to her bed I saw a whole lot of tins of Fanta and Sprite that she'd been drinking I said mom what are you doing she said no Mark I'm trying to fix my blood sugar levels all over the place help me I think you need to take me to the doctor <coughs> so I grabbed Marianne I said quick let's get into the car we rushed her to the hospital in Stellenbosch got her booked in and settled and they said go home we'll phone you if anything happens four o'clock in the morning they phoned to say your mother has died for real 
And it was really, it was heartbreaking. <clears throat> I didn't cry about the fact that she was dead. I cried because she's not around to see my grandchildren, spend any time with them. She's not around for me to share the fact that I'm winning at these events at, 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 at age 60. She's not around to see the businesses that we've built. And it's quite it's sad for that reason. And it's selfish. And I was angry with her for many years. I actually, I really was. Angry because <coughs> she was selfish enough not to be, not be prepared to make the changes that she needed to make. And Marianne had helped her actually get off her medication. So she knew what it was like to live without medication. But she loved, she loved the doctors and she loved going to the doctor. It was a strange, it's a strange thing and I don't understand it. And... But she did. She could. Marianne went with her on the one occasion, and she just doctor, doctor, doctor. Anything he said, she would do. And she died because of it. Both of my fathers were alcoholics and dead at 57. So they weren't around for my children to have grandfathers. And all of us need the older generation in our lives. We need our grandparents and great-grandparents to be. And you're going to see people today when Marianne starts to do a talk. She's going to show you a clip about people that are 104 and 107 and 197 and they're still working and they're still involved in their communities. And that's how, that's how it is. So I'm putting it to today that being unhealthy is the most selfish thing that you can do. Because then it's just all about you and all about what you put in your mouth. Now I'm asking you, do any of you have a car? Cars. Anybody own a car? Anybody that doesn't own a car have a dream car? Yes. What would it be? MG. AMG Merc. Okay, okay, okay. <coughs> Alright. So let's just say you've got this AMG Merc and you pitch up at the dealership, Merc dealership, and they say... Here's your car, here are your keys, enjoy the ride. You've got a full tank. What's the first thing you're going to do when you get home? You're going to park it in a safe place, okay? And you're going to look after it. And when it's ready to go for a service, where are you going to take it? To some mampara down the road that has got no tools. <coughs> you're not. You're going to take it back to the Mercedes dealership that built the car and you're going to let them service it. Because they're going to put in the right oil and the right spark plugs. When I ride that bike, I've got to make sure that everything is right on that bike. The chain, the oil, the spark plugs, they all have to... I put the best possible fuel. You would too in that, in that car. You know what happens when you put petrol into sugar into a petrol tank of a car? It stops dead. And you can trash that engine. It's gone. You can't start fixing it. So why, if we would treat a car so carefully and so well that you can replace any time you have got the money, you can replace that car. Why would we do that to our bodies? Put any old junk in them. Hmm? So I want you to think about this today. Marianne's going to take you through some steps. She's going to show you exactly how you can make these changes. I want you to go away today with at least one thing that you can do. Because 
your life is going to change if you do these things okay good here we go so I need somebody who can read has good eyesight and a loud voice come on they're going to be able to read really fine print one person you can get more raisins and sunflower seeds if you read for me Okay, the lady over there in white. <coughs> I would like you to read for me, nice and loud, the ingredients on these three things. It's very small. That's the chips. Let's try it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's it. Do any of you know and fully understand what all these ingredients are? Would you put some of the stuff in your car? Why wouldn't you put it in your car? Because you don't know what it is. So in a car that you can replace, you would never put this in because you don't know what it is. But in a body that can never be replaced, you're putting stuff that you don't know what it is. Does it make sense? We put stuff into our bodies every day and we don't even know what's in them. And yet we would never do that to our cat. Would you give it to your cat or your dog? Would you give your cat these things to eat? Why not? Why wouldn't you give it to your cat or your dog? Might make it sick. Maybe it'll kill it. You don't know. Sometimes? Exactly, the cat's smart. Sometimes it won't eat it, okay? Our body is incredibly well made. It can repair itself. Do you know you can take half your liver out and it'll regrow? It's the only organ that does that. And you can take that half of that liver and put it into somebody else's body and that will regrow as well. 
When you cut your finger, your body repairs itself. You put a plaster on it to stop the dirt getting in there, and you take the plaster off, and you're like, oh my word, it's a miracle, my finger's closed the hole. If you have a scratch on your face, if you're a lady, you may cover it up with some foundation, or you may leave it, but in a couple of days, it's gone. Your body repairs itself. You have one body. I've never come across a car that repairs itself. <clears throat> Maybe I don't know all the cars. Maybe there is a car like that. Do you know a car that just services itself and fixes itself? Oh, the brake light's on. And must repair the brakes. And then the car just makes some brakes and puts them on there. And then you've got fixed brakes. Wouldn't that be really cool? Save a lot of money. Oh yeah, I've got sunflower seeds. It's one thing about sunflower seeds. It gets stuck in your teeth. Our body repairs itself. It's incredibly well designed. We have very little respect for it. It's one body only. You're never going to get another body. <coughs> I didn't even think about this growing up. I didn't. I was a complete, utter sugarholic. I lived for <coughs> anything with sugar in it. Sometimes I couldn't find stuff with sugar in it. That I would just eat the sugar out the sugar bowl. When I was growing up, my mother, every now and again, you know, like near payday, my mother would buy a packet. It was bright red, I remember it. It was called Ben's Dorps Chocolate Sprinkle Spread. If you're very old, you might know this. Well, I just wanted to eat that stuff all the time, but I couldn't get to it because my mother used to hide it away. And one day my brother, who's younger than me, came out with a Tupperware glass cup and he had Ben's Dorp Chocolate Sprinkle Spread and water mixed together. He said, no, he's making drinking chocolate. So I said, let me have a taste. And he said, no. I was so desperate for a taste of that. I just wanted to taste that stuff because I just knew I would love it. So I went to the fridge about an hour later and I opened the fridge and I found the same Tupperware cup in there and I thought, ha, I've got, I can drink it. He's not around. And I lifted the lid and I slugged it back and I screamed like I was dying because it was my father's devil sauce, not the chocolate sprinkle spread. So loving sugar so much got me into trouble several times, but it got me into a lot more trouble later on in life because I didn't realize that the sugar was doing to my brain exactly what the sugar was doing to my father's brain. Some people don't handle sugar or alcohol well at all. It doesn't matter whether it's a little bit or a lot, and with me it's never mattered whether it's a little bit or a lot. It could be a can of condensed milk or a piece of chocolate, and it never happens straight away. Sometimes it would happen once a week, sometimes once a month, sometimes nothing for three months. But when it happened, it was violent and it was crazy, just like my dad. Growing up, my father would trash the house, break every single plate that was breakable and every glass. <clears throat> One Christmas, I remember him taking his arm and swiping the whole, the best dinner, dinner server, the only good dinner service my mother had, which was a wedding present, and he swiped the whole thing on the floor after it had all been washed after Christmas dinner. All my mother had left was a little dish that took the gravy in it. I used to do the same thing to this poor man. That's why the first 10 years of our marriage was terrible. I trashed the house. I thought I'd inherited my father's craziness. I was just crazy and I had his temper and there was nothing I could do about it's inherited. It became violent at times. My mother had scars on her head from my father. I didn't have any scars on my body, but I was punched in the face on a couple of times because I would say something like, I don't want soup for supper. And he would just snap and lose it. We never knew when it was going to happen. 
My husband never knew when it was going to happen. It just would happen. Some silly little thing would just trigger it and you would lose it. I didn't realize that I had a condition called bipolar disorder and so did my father. I was only diagnosed many years later when I couldn't see anything and I was literally couldn't hear anything and I was in the supermarket and the guy at the chemist called my husband and the doctor and they said you have bipolar disorder you've got a chemical imbalance of the brain take these drugs now <coughs> I've always looked at the insert of medication because my mother raised me that way if you had a headache in our family my mother would say drink some water she only had a standard 8 qualification in her day but she knew some really good stuff she's still alive today at 84 she knew some pretty good stuff she'd say to us drink water because you're probably dehydrated it's the main cause of headaches do you know all these years later suddenly people are discovering that dehydration is the main cause of headaches but my mother knew that when I was a kid 50 years ago 60 years ago and I can tell you today that it's still the number one cause of headaches and what do we do when we've got a headache what do most people do when they've got a headache? Take a painkiller, panado, or a grandpa or something. And the main side effect of taking painkillers on a regular basis is stomach ulcers. Inflammation in the stomach. Painful stomach. And then it could become a bleeding stomach. What we're doing is we're treating the symptom, not the cause. My mother... Well, we've got to tell, we're just passing our list around. You don't have to put your name... Hold on a second. Don't put your LC email address and your number there unless you'd like to receive, be on our WhatsApp group or get our emailed 100 Days to Health. It is free. There's no catch. It's there to support you. We are trying to help you all, okay? So if you'd like the 100 Days to Health and you have an email address that's not a company one or you'd like to be on the WhatsApp group, put your telephone number and your email address on there. It's, it's just support if you need it, okay? Right. So... Getting back to my mother. My mother taught us, drink water first. And then if you weren't, your headache hadn't gone, she'd say, go to the bathroom and have, make sure you don't come out until you've had a bowel movement. Because she knew that constipation was another major cause of headaches. How do you know you're constipated? Raise your right finger. Your index finger. Look at it. Carefully. If your bowel movement is thicker than that, you are constipated. I'll tell you, you'll give five steps at the end and if you eat like that, it will never be that thicker than that again. That makes it comfortable. That makes the possibility of colorectal cancer, the most common cancer in South Africa, very low. Okay? So we would go to the bathroom and wait until something happened. And she would only, If you came out before you had a bowel movement, she'd say, go back, take a book, go and read. And to this day, my brother, my two brothers and my sister and I have lots of books in our bathroom because everybody reads in the bathroom in our house because you got into such a habit of reading because you couldn't come out until something had happened and sometimes you had to wait a while and if you still felt sick she'd say go and sleep and at the end of that she'd just repeat this again drink water, go to the bathroom, <laughs> go and sleep so what she taught me to do was look at the cause, not the symptoms now here's the difference between cause and symptom if you went into the bathroom here and the tap was running and the plug was in and the water was flowing all over the floor, what would you do? Would you pick up a mop and start to mop the floor? Would you run away? What would you do? Turn off the tap. It was common sense. We've lost our common sense. 
We've stopped looking for the cause of the problem and we just treat the symptom. That's what we're doing. Taking a painkiller is treating the symptom. That's what you're doing. If you look for the cause, gosh, I'm dehydrated, and it's out of ignorance. Most of us don't know you get headaches from dehydration. It's just stuff. We taught everything else. I never understood why I was in maths at school. I had to learn about sine and cos graphs and all this algebra. And, and I know maths is good for the brain. It exercises the brain. But some things I'm like, and then you leave school and you don't know how to budget or balance a checkbook. You have no idea what compound interest is. And you have no idea at all how to look after your body. None whatsoever. You don't even know that a headache is caused from lack of water, most probably. So what do we do? We're thirsty and we go and get stoned on stony. That's what we do. And the stuff that's in here, all these chemicals that we have no idea, I know what they are because I've studied it. And I don't know all the E numbers off by heart, but all those E numbers are additives, preservatives, colorants, there are things they add to make it, give it more flavor or a bigger color or something. It's completely unnatural. And because there's so many chemicals in there, something like phosphoric acid and Coca-Cola, for example, and caffeine, they're known to cause dehydration. So the more you drink it, the more dehydrated you become. So you want more and you keep drinking it. I'm not going to tell you to stop it. All I'm doing is telling you what it can do to your body. What I recommend you do is go and have a grape tires or an apple tires or a a, 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 what's that other one called? A just juice. Sparkling, a sparkling pure fruit juice. Go and have that because at least you know what an apple and an orange and a mango and carbonated water is. You know what those things are. But we have no idea what is in there. Alright, so here I was. Crazy. Ah, there was no internet in those days. I couldn't just go and Google crazy behavior, bipolar disorder. In fact, they called it manic depressive depression. It had a different name. There was no way that I could go and find out other than finding books. And by, well, I don't believe in chance. It was divine direction. Somebody gave me a book called Sugar Blues, and I read about this man who had the same problem as me. It was his sugar addiction that caused the problem. And what I discovered as I studied further... I read books by a woman called Barbara Reed Stitt who was a probation officer in the United States of America and she studied juvenile delinquents and criminals in prison. And she found that what's actually happening in these people and people like me and people like me and like the criminals are the ones that can't sit still. They don't concentrate very well. When you look at them, you can see they're always thinking about something else. Their eyes usually move a lot when you're talking to them. They don't have very calm eyes. You can see there's other things going on inside their head. Now, as your calmness comes from changing your diet, you find you're a lot calmer. But those are the kids that would be diagnosed as attention deficit or hyperactivity or hyperactive. And you get attention deficit hyperactive adults these days. Everybody's attention deficit. But you can actually, your body can repair itself and your body can work properly. So what actually happens is, because when you put alcohol and refined sugar into the body, your blood sugar will rise considerably. And as it goes up, this incredible piece of equipment that's designed to repair itself and watch out for itself, as your blood sugar is going up, it knows you're going to go into a diabetic coma and die. So it produces insulin and brings your blood sugar down very quickly because it knows it's got to do this. To bring it down quickly, it's got to flood your, your body with insulin as much as it possibly can, can handle and it comes down too far. Now when your blood sugar shoots up and comes down like this, three systems are affected. 
The first one is your immune system, the system that fights bacteria and viruses, the system that keeps you free of disease. Blood sugar all over the place. The minute that happens, your immune system doesn't work properly. It doesn't matter who you are. Your blood sugar needs to be very stable for your immune system to work efficiently and kill bacteria and viruses. So you could get colds, coughs, HIV, any infectious disease going around. Eventually, over time, your immune system is so weak, you start to get things like cancer. One in three women in South Africa will get cancer in their lifetime. One in two men will get cancer in their lifetime. The immune system, people whose immune system is strong, do not get cancer. Because the immune system can kill a cancer cell. Just nails it. You've got your own personal army fully equipped with AK-47s, lots of ammunition, but if you are damaging your body day in and day out with things that damage the immune system, eventually your army's blind, it's deaf, it has no ammunition, the weapons are gone, and it's crippled. And so the bacteria and viruses come in, and the soldiers say, yeah, come in, we're having a party, come join us. It's the basics. So what happens is your blood sugar shoots up, it comes down, comes down too low, when it gets down too low, only in some people, not everybody, and it is more likely to be genetic. And it's more likely to be in families where there is alcohol overuse. Every time my father stopped drinking, he would like to eat sweets. He never ate anything sweet, except when he wasn't drinking. People who drink alcohol never eat sweets, because they're getting their glucose from the alcohol. Now everybody needs glucose. The three systems that don't work properly when your blood sugar is all over the place, the immune system, the hormonal system that controls everything that goes on in the body, from your liver, your lungs, your heart, your skin, your digestion, your sleep, your muscles, your muscle tone, your strength, your energy, that system will, it, it, it controls reproduction as well, sexual function. And the third system is the brain and central nervous system. Those three systems need regulated blood sugar to work properly. Now your blood sugar is down here. The area of the brain that controls moral behavior, planning and forethought when the blood sugar drops too low, shuts down completely. So the area of the brain that tells you what's right or wrong, the area of the brain that plans things, the area of the brain that thinks about problems and how to sort them out, it just shuts down. So it's like you lose your mind. And the area that takes over is the primitive area of the brain and there's a reason for it. It's got to try and keep you alive. So it focuses on three things that will keep you alive. Eating. You could have a voracious appetite. You're just hungry all the time. So when people eat like a lot of sugar or alcohol, they very often can eat a lot or they're drinking a lot because they need more and more and more. It's not enough. Second part of that brain, uh, um, primitive part of the brain is sexual function. You could be sexually promiscuous. One woman was married with three children going to her local church. Happily married. Well, sort of. She used to have these episodes. Episodes She couldn't remember them. She, she had no recollection. She couldn't remember how she got to the next town and in another man's bed. Her family just knew she would go missing for days on end and they wouldn't know where she was or what she was doing. And she would come back home. And she would be so ashamed. And she would go to her pastor and talk to him and cry before her husband said, please forgive me. It would happen again. And she heard me speak. She came up and she said, I love sugar like you love sugar. Do you think it could be my problem? And when she had these episodes, she would drink a lot of alcohol. She has no recollection of it. That's what can happen in some people. 
and they'll tell you you're bipolar or schizophrenic. It's not always the case, but very often, I'll tell you something where you have healthy people that live natural diets. We'll look at some of those communities. There's no mental illness. Nothing. There's no schizophrenia. There's no bipolar disorder. There is no attention deficit disorder. There's no depression. So with my blood sugar going up and down like this, the area of the brain that controls primitive area, appetite, sexual function, the third one is aggression. You need to be aggressive if you're trying to keep your body alive because you've got to protect yourself. So your body goes into this primitive state and starts to be aggressive. But it's inappropriate because you're in a family with four kids like we were and my father would be this inappropriate aggression. I was being inappropriate. I would hit my husband and fortunately for me, he just stood and looked at me. And the more he looked at me and didn't do anything, the madder I got with him. I would shout and scream at him and curse him and I, I was horrible. I said to him one day, why did you stay? If you had behaved like that once, I would have left. And yet you put up with me. He said the good times made up for the bad. I have an amazing husband. He loves washing dishes. Seriously. He says it relaxes him. There's nothing nicer, he says, than my hands in hot water. He loves to vacuum the floor. He says, when I vacuum the floor, I sort out problems. I can think clearly. He changed baby's nappies when, we were, when the kids were little. I couldn't handle anything with blood or puke or vomit. Anything. Snot, vomit and puke. Ow. Poops and wheeze yet to come along. I was okay with changing the nappies, but he really never had a problem with that stuff. My friends say I must make copies of him and let every woman have one of him. So I had no, why I'm telling you this, I had no reason to behave like that. It wasn't like I was married to some crazy person myself. I was the crazy one. Here's the thing. Finally somebody gave me a book called Sugar Blues and I realized that what I needed to start having is eating, having natural glucose. The more I studied the brain and how it worked, the more I realized that the brain requires glucose. Your brain can't work properly. Have you ever skipped a couple of meals? And you actually feel your brain like freezing. You just feel it's not thinking properly. And then you suddenly go, oh gosh, I've forgotten to eat. I better eat something. My blood sugar's low. And that's when we go and get the Coke or some coffee or a chocolate to bring our blood sugar up. But now it's going to shoot up too high and come down. The Barbara Reed stood that woman at the probation office and she found that every single one of those juvenile delinquents and criminals in, in, the, in the prison suffered from this reactive hypoglycemia. And when their blood sugar was too low, that's when they would commit the crime. Because even though they knew it was wrong, when that area of the brain shuts down to tell you things are wrong, you can do things and sometimes you don't even remember doing them. Sometimes I think maybe that's what happened with Oscar Pistorius. He consumed so much alcohol, he was a, quite a big alcohol consumer, maybe the stuff that he did, he can't remember so he has to make up the stories. Because in his own mind he would never do something that bad. I don't know. I just don't want to give him an alibi or a, a reason. Whatever. Anyway, so I started to look at what am I going to eat to get glucose? Where am I going to get the glucose? Well, it was pretty, pretty easy when I began to think about it. If I was living back in the Garden of Eden and I was craving something sweet, what would I eat? If you were living in the Garden of Eden and you were craving something sweet, what would you eat? Fruit, yeah. And what's your favorite fruit? Got to have one at least. A peach. 
Banana. How about some oranges and nachis that are in season right now? Apples and pears. I like mangoes and cherries. Nectarines, watermelon, spun speck. There's pineapple, grapes, absolutely. There is a lot of fruit, and we've just given you a little pack with some raisins in it. Raisins are very high in natural glucose, but they're very high in natural fiber, so they're stable on your blood sugar. All the research shows that even a diabetic, especially when you have it with seeds like that, it's stable on your blood sugar. Raisins are very high in iron. They contain good quality calcium. It's been shown in studies that people, recent studies, have shown that as you chew the raisins, people think because it's sticking to their teeth, they must clean it off because of the sugar in it. They found that the longer it sticks to your teeth, the, actually, the more it benefits your teeth. I was shocked to read that. There's a, there's a chemical in raisins that's released when it's sticking on your teeth and it strengthens your teeth. They found that the calcium in raisins actually improves bone density, makes your bones stronger. And they did find that it improves sexual function. There are certain phytonutrients in there that actually increase sexual function. Your sunflower seeds have got 25% protein, more than you'll find in chicken and fish and in most meats. Full of fiber. Together those two will stabilize your blood sugar. So I started eating raisins, sometimes raisins and sunflower seeds, sometimes dates. I started eating watermelon. One day I ate a whole box of mangoes. There were nine mangoes in the box. The amazing thing is that after three months of doing this, my blood sugar was stable. For the first time in my life, I felt truly happy. Up until that point, I'd suffered from depressive moods. I had contemplated killing myself many times. So much so when I was eight or nine, I went and asked my Sunday school teacher what would happen to me if I killed myself. She looked at me hard and she thought, how do I answer this question? Well, if I was a Sunday school teacher, I would have said exactly what mine did because if you say, don't worry, sweetheart, God understands. You know, he'll understand. Don't worry, shame. You must be sad. Oh, she said to me, you're going to go to hell. And I can tell you that that stopped me for many years from taking my own life. As an adult, I read the Bible from cover to cover, and it doesn't say that. But I'm grateful to that woman because it stopped me taking my own life. I have seen people start to eat fresh fruit, and I've seen them, the issue with alcohol goes away because they're giving the body the right glucose and they don't crave alcohol anymore. I've seen depression go like it did in mine. As a kid, my name was Sad Sack. So much so, my sister made me a rag doll with SS embroidered on it because she said this doll was me. It was a miserable looking doll. It was this grey, miserable doll. She says, this is you. She's an older sister. She doesn't like me much. Maybe that's why I was depressed. No. <laughs> I became happy. Truly happy. For the first time in my life, 30 years ago, at the age of about 30, 29, 30. I had never been happy until that point. And I can tell you that for 30 years I haven't suffered from depression like I suffered from then. Ever. I have been happy. I mean, I've had days where you feel overwhelmed, like, well, there's so much stuff going on, I don't know if I'm going to cope with this. That's normal life. Lots of things going on. But never, ever have I had a thought of taking my own life like I did growing up until I was at 29.30. Not since then. And I changed it. It, 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 it. I helped correct my body by not only eating lots of fresh fruit, I found that exercise outdoors in natural light was the most powerful antidepressant. I've seen this with women suffering from post, post um, 
Postnatal depression, yes. Postnatal depression. My own daughter, it was cold in winter, she had her, da- her daughter Faith in July and it was rainy and she was inside for days on end and she started getting really miserable and I saw exactly what was going on. I said, come on Melissa, come with me, coming for a walk. Put your warm clothes on, I've got an umbrella. No, she's not coming. I said, well I'm taking your baby and you better come and I'm not leaving until you get in the car with me. And I stood and I stared at her and I said, come, we're going. Took me half an hour, got her in the car, we went down to the beach for a walk. After 10 minutes of walking, she said, Mom, I'm so grateful to you for doing this. I feel like a different person. And from that day, she just walked every day. No more postnatal depression. I've seen it every single time. Scientists have now shown that when sun shines into the eyes, it triggers the pineal gland behind the eyes and the brain, and that regulates melatonin and serotonin. Serotonin makes you feel happy in the daytime, and melatonin makes you sleep nicely at night. That's enough to make anybody happy. And every time you exercise for 20 minutes or more, 16 hormones are regulated. And those 16 hormones make you happy, regulate your blood pressure, regulate your blood sugar, help your bowels to work properly, decrease inflammation. They help the entire body work properly. So you want a cure for something? Instead of taking painkillers and pills, that's the last resort medicine. We do it as a first resort. First, start to eat more fruit in your diet. Then go and exercise outside in natural light. And it says, you might come to work when it's dark in the morning and dark, go home when it's dark at night, go for a walk during your lunch hour. This property is huge. You can go for a wonderful walk around here. Just mind the trucks and the forklifts. But we went for a walk the other day. We didn't see a truck right at the end there. We walked all the way up and went that end piece there. Went for a long walk. It was fantastic. We had a half an hour and we hadn't exercised, so we went for a walk. It was incredible. You do that, you get happy. You can do it during your lunch hour. Take a 15-20 minute walk and then go and eat your lunch. If you exercise before you eat, your digestive tract works more efficiently. So, my life started to change and these three systems started to change. And these are some of the things that you can do to help those three systems. Remember your immune system, your hormonal system, and your brain and central nervous system will work better every time you exercise, okay? And it doesn't need to be push-ups, just a walk. Flat shoes, comfortable clothes, go, walk. Number two, the people that are the healthiest are the ones that eat the most fruit and vegetables. It doesn't matter what community you look at. Wherever there are healthy, long-living people, the longest-living, healthiest people all eat lots of fruit and vegetables. If you look at a brother and a sister and the one's healthy and the one's not, I guarantee the one who's eating the most fruit and vegetables is the one who's healthier. Okay. You need to be eating natural foods. Natural foods are unprocessed foods. Things like whole wheat bread instead of white bread. Brown rice instead of white rice. Coarsely ground milly meal instead of this fine stuff. I know it's easy to eat the very soft milly meal and easier to eat white bread. But it's not easy on your body. It's easy on your mouth, but not inside your body. It causes constipation when it's refined and processed like that. If you want your bowels to work properly, we need to be eating natural foods. It's not complicated. If you just do those three things, just those three things, your life will turn around. But how do you do that? Don't panic. I'm going to give you five steps right at the end, okay? Right. How do you know when your body is starting to get sick or is not? How do you know when you... Your body is not feeling right. And it's long before you just not come streaming out your nose. How do you know something's not right in your body? You feel something day in and day out. You are tired. You wake up tired in the morning. 
you go to work tired, you're tired during lunchtime. I've seen some people sitting here starting to nod off, not in this group, but the previous group is like, oh. The minute you sit still, you think, oh my word, I need to go to sleep. When you're feeling like that, your body is telling you it's in trouble. It's sending a text message or an email saying, help. Because if you're tired all the time, something's wrong and you need to change what you're doing. Now, you can't just stop working because you're tired. Because then who's going to give you food? Who's going to look after your kids? Who's going to pay your rent? That's not possible. So we've got to look at the other things. What are the other things that we're doing? What can we do, okay? What can we do? First sign that your body's in trouble is you're tired. It's, a, it's called the first stage of disease. So when people say, she just got cancer suddenly. He just dropped dead of a heart attack suddenly. She got diabetes. I heard people say to me, I got diabetes overnight. But there were always the signs of tiredness, which means your body was struggling. If you wake up tired, that means your body hasn't had enough energy. It doesn't have enough nutrients to do the repair work it's supposed to do while you're sleeping. That's why we sleep. To recharge your nerve energy, it's like a, we're like a battery. This is how your body's self-healing. While you sleep, your body recharges your nerve energy. But if you're waking up in the morning and your, blab, your battery is flat, your body is, hasn't got the tools, it hasn't got the materials to recharge that battery. If you're waking up in the morning and your body is tired, your body is saying, I don't have the materials and you haven't given me enough sleep to do the repair work. And that's why you want to just keep sleeping and sleeping. And this will not give you anything that will help with repair work. But the fruit and the vegetables, the nuts and the seeds, avocados, the brown rice gives you all the nutrients you need. I don't need to name those nutrients. Vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, antioxidants, you hear them all the time. Everybody's trying to sell you vitamin supplements. Don't buy them because you're just going to pee them straight into the toilet. 90 to 96% of the money that you spend on vitamin and mineral supplements ends up in the toilet. You don't have to believe me. Take your urine and go and have it tested. So 90 to 96 cents of every rand is being flushed into the toilet. You need extra supplements, eat more fruit and vegetables. If you can't eat enough of them, get a juice extractor and take the juice out of it or make smoothies, but get them into you. Get fruit and vegetables into you somehow. Juicing is the better way to get extra nutrients if you need it. But just eat the fruit and vegetables. That's the ideal way, okay? Right, let's look at some healthy people that look after their engines. These people, you may know some of them, they look after their bodies very well. These, this particular group of people, there are many of them, I couldn't fit them all on here. They, not just top athletes, but they're top athletes that look after their diet and lifestyle very carefully. Do you know some of them? Do you want to tell me their names? Yeah, the Williams sisters. Very strong ladies. They're still number one and number two, I think. Anybody know this man here? He was young here. He's an older man now. He's a famous American athlete. Carl Lewis, yes. Known for being one of the fastest men in the world. He won eight medals at the Olympic Games. Four of them were gold. Two that you may not know, this man here says, healthy is the new gangster. His name is Stickman, S-T-I-C. He lives in California and he teaches people about getting healthy for free because he makes his money from rapping, singing, directing, producing, writing books, writing scripts, 
He's a very, very clever man. And he just wants everybody to get healthy like him because his life turned around when he got healthy. So now he is like a preacher for health. He teaches the gospel of health to anybody who will listen. And this man down here with a very oily body, not my idea of nice, but may different, what do they say? Different strokes for different folks. That man, anybody want to guess how old he is? His name is Jim Morris. He's 62 years old. All of those people there don't smoke, they don't drink, they eat fruit, vegetables, grains and legumes and nuts and seeds and nothing else. No meat. Now I'm not going to tell you to be a vegetarian. I'm just saying that when you're very focused on getting healthy, you can achieve amazing things like these people could. Now not everybody's that focused. So don't panic. I'm going to give you meat. Don't worry about the meat. I can see this. What we're going to look at in the meantime is, before we get to the meat, is we're going to look at some of the people. What happened is National Geographic said to this man called Dan Butner, he's like an explorer. They said, you go around the world and find the healthiest people all over the world, the ones that live the longest. Bring the information back here and tell us what they do. What makes them healthy? Now here's the amazing thing. They found these five communities around the world. I'm going to show you two because we don't have the time. They all do the same things. Some are Japanese, some are Italian, some are Greek, some are in South America, some are in America. Sad thing is they didn't find any in Africa. But let's take a look at them because some of them are African. All right. We found that first blue zone about 125 miles off the coast of Italy on the island of Sardinia. And not the entire island, yeah, it's about 1.4 million people. But only up in the highlands, the area called the Goro province. And here we have this area where men live the longest. About 10 times more centenarians than we have here in America. And this is a place where people not only reach age 100, they do so with extraordinary vigor. Places where 102 year olds still ride their bike to work, chop wood, and can. Okay, that guy is the 102 year old. This man is 40. And that's the same guy riding the bike and chopping the wood. Okay, we're next going to look at the um, community in Southern California. And take note, they're Hispanic, white, black, and Asian. There's no one race here. Population among the Seventh-day Adventists concentrated in and around Loma Linda, California. Adventists are conservative Methodists. They celebrate their uh, Sabbath from sunset on Friday till sunset on Saturday, uh, tw a 24-hour sanctuary in time, they call it. And they follow five little habits that conveys them extraordinary longevity, comparatively speaking. In America here, life expectancy for the average woman is 80, but for an Adventist woman, their life expectancy is 89, and the difference is even more pronounced among men who are expected to live about 11 years longer than their American counterparts. Now, this is a study that followed about 70,000 people for 30 years, a sterling study, and I think it supremely illustrates the premise of this Blue Zone project. 
This is a heterogeneous community. It's white, black, Hispanic, Asian. The only thing they have in common are a set of very small lifestyle habits that they follow ritualistically for most of their lives. They take their diet directly from the Bible, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where God talks about legumes and seeds, and on one more stanza about uh, green plants, ostensibly missing his meat. They take this sanctuary in time very serious. For 24 hours every week, no matter how busy they are, how stressed out they are at work, where the kids need to be driven, they stop everything and they focus on their God, their social network, and then hardwired right into religion are nature walks. And the power of this is not that it's done occasionally. The power is it's done every week for a lifetime. None of it's hard. None of it costs money. Adventists also tend to hang out with other Adventists. So if you go to an Adventist party, you don't see people swilling Jim Beam or rolling a joint. Instead, they're talking about uh, their next nature walk, exchanging recipes, and yes, uh, they pray. But they influence each other in profound and measurable ways. This is a culture that has yielded Ellsworth Wareham. Ellsworth Wareham is 97 years old. He's a multimillionaire. Yet when a contractor wanted $6,000 to build a privacy fence, he said, for that kind of money, I'll do it myself. So for the next three days, he was out shoveling cement and hauling poles around. And predictably, perhaps, on the fourth day, he ended up in the operating room. But not as the guy on the table, the guy uh, doing open-heart surgery. At 97, he still does 20 open-heart surgeries every month. Ed Rawlings, 103 years old now, an active cowboy, starts his morning with the swim, and on the weekends he likes to put on the boards, throw up rooster tails. And then Marge Deton. Uh, Marge is 104. Her grandson actually lives in the Twin Cities here. She starts her day with lifting weights. She rides her bicycle. And then she gets in a root beer colored 1994 Cadillac Seville and tears down the San Bernardino Freeway where she still volunteers for seven different organizations. Thank you. I've got my team here, the light switcher on and the sound man. <laughs> Thank you. Do any of you know any 104 year olds that still drive cars? or 97-year-olds that do 20 open-heart surgeries a month. Do you know how steady your hands have got to be? I don't know anybody over 80 who has steady hands. I, didn't, I couldn't show you all the people. You can go online and look at Blue Zones. The issue is not necessarily who they are. It's what they do. I'm crossing my fingers because one of the lines that came out of these, none of it's hard, none of it costs anything. It should cost you less money to get healthy, not more. If somebody's trying to sell you something that's going to make you healthy, like a white powder that's called manna something or other, and it costs 3,000 rand, run a mile. You can't buy health. If you could buy your health, wouldn't the healthiest people in the world be in the richest countries, like America? And yet they've got the most heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. What are the five habits they spoke about? He said they have five habits, those people. And they, they found it didn't matter whether it was that community in Loma Linda or anywhere else, whether it was the Japanese or the Greeks or the Italians. Don't take it down. Yeah. What are the five habits? Name me one. Come. Potty? Diet. Their diet, yes. 
food, what else? Exercise. So they were fit. And what did they do? They didn't go to the gym, they went for walks. You don't have to go to gym. You don't have to write. Mark spoke about writing Argus. And you know what happens is when you live a healthy lifestyle, you've got all this extra energy and you've got to do something with it. So walking isn't good enough anymore. Now you want to run. And then running's not good enough. You want to ride. And then you start. I'm starting to think about entering triathlons because now we're riding and swimming and running. I'm thinking, hey, man, let's do a triathlon. Mark says, no, he doesn't like the idea of swimming in the sea. He wants to see the bottom. I said, well, we'll put wetsuits on. And says, and the sharks think you seals, and then they'll eat you. <laughs> so we've got to get around the sea thing, but maybe we'll start doing triathlons, okay? They were fit. They all have faith. All the communities, whether they're Shintoists in Japan, and that's not a swear word, or whether they're Seventh-day Adventists, or they're Italians that are Catholics, it didn't matter. They all believed in a higher power. And I've seen several studies that show that people that believe in a higher power all live longer, by up to 20 years in some instances. And the reason for that is people that believe in a higher power tend to have more reason to live. And if you look at the community in Japan, they have something they call Japanese people live very long in that area in Okinawa because they have this thing called ikigai. They actually say to them, what is your ikigai? And the old lady who's 102 says, my ikigai is my great-great-great-granddaughter. She's my reason for living. She's the reason I get out of bed in the morning. So it, it tends to find that people who have faith have a reason to get out of bed and a reason to go to work because they believe in something more than just me. They have the right food. What kind of food were they eating? What did they say? What did they base their food on? He said the Bible, Genesis, where it says we should be eating lots of plant food, okay? They have the right friends. That was interesting. They said none of their friends are drinking Jim Beam, which is a whiskey, and also rolling a joint. Mark and I found when we got healthy, some of our friends didn't want to hang around us anymore. And maybe we were a pain in the butt because we were feeling so amazing, so we were preaching the gospel of health to everybody. But you will find that when you want to get healthy, very often your friends don't. As the young man who came up to me on Monday, 22-year-old here, and he said, I really want to get healthy, but I have to stop smoking. I said to him, but you don't have to focus on the smoking. Just focus on adding the extra good food to your existing diet. Yeah, he said, but you know, my friends are going to make this so hard for me. I'm going to get to what the friends, what I said to him, but I just want to say the rest thing. All of these communities have a rest time, whether they're keeping the Sabbath and take the whole day off, they don't shop, they rest, they just relax with their family, or whether they go and have a siesta after lunch like they do in Italy and peace. That wasn't the issue. What I said to this young man when he said to me, I want to get healthy and my friends will smoke. I said, well, do your friends all have cars? No. I said, would you all like cars? Yes, we talk about it all the time. I said, well, how many cigarettes do you smoke a day? He said, only about 10. I said, so how many do these cigarettes cost? How much do cigarettes cost? How much does one cigarette cost? Come on, everybody knows this. 250, everybody knows it. 250. Three bucks if you're going for a better quality, eh? I said to him, if we take the cigarettes and we multiply that by 10, 2 rand 50 times 10, and the accountant must keep quiet. <laughs> the numbers man. Where are we? Other way. Very easy. It's 25 bucks, okay? 
25 rand times 30 days in a month is 750 rand. I said to him, that is a very lot of money. Do you know for 750 rand a month, you can buy a second-hand car, a nice one. And because you have a nice job with a nice company like this, and if it wasn't a nice company, they wouldn't invite us to come and help you get healthy. You could buy a nice car for 750 rand a month. I said, you know what you should do? You should take your 750 rand, pile it on a pile like this, and take a match and just burn it. And he said, no, that's crazy. I said, but that's what you're doing. You're taking your money, you're putting it in your mouth, and you're lighting it. You're burning it. Every time, 10 times a day, you're taking your money and you're burning it. Every day you're burning 25 rand. That's 750 rand a month. How much does a six-pack cost of beer? Six-pack of beer. 60 rand. Some people say 75. Some people say 80. We worked out an average of 70 bucks for a six-pack. And we worked out at every talk. This is the, the second last talk we do. At every talk we've spoken at, we worked out the average person is drinking the equivalent of about a six-pack a day. It doesn't matter whether it's wine or a six-pack or whiskey. If you work it out, what because everybody drinks more on the weekends, don't you? Or your time off. There's more. So if you spread it out over the week, the average person is having a six-pack a day, which is 490 rand a week times four months. That's 2,700. Oh, it was 2,000. We said it's about 2,000 rand. So we add the 2,000 rand for the beer and the 750, and now you get 2,750 rand. Now you can get a brand new car, or you can get a nice house. We'll come back to that just now. We'll get back to that, okay? Let's take a look at what these people actually do. And let's take a look at Africa, where we live. Who do you think is the longest living, or where do you find the longest living people in Africa? There's some long living people there, but who's the longest living people in Africa? Which country do you think? What do you think? Kenya. Anybody else? Egypt? Oh, let's take a look. This, uh, it's very small, and I kept it small so you can't actually see. The people that live the longest, the country that they come from in Africa, is Algeria. What's the average life expectancy of the average South African? Anybody want to get that one? 60. Well, in Algeria, they live to 69 if they're men, and they live to 72 if they're women. Let me see if Egypt's here. I don't have Egypt. Oh, hold on. No, I don't have Egypt up here. Somebody said Kenya. In Kenya they live to 51 if you're a man and 50 if you're a woman. What are they doing to the woman there? Nigeria, somebody said previously, 45 and 45. Nigeria, men and women. In South Africa our life expectancy is 47 years if you're a man and 49 if you're a woman. And if you're unlucky enough to live in Zimbabwe, your life expectancy is 37 years as a man and 34 is a woman. So the question I want to ask is, what are the Algerians doing that nobody else is doing? Well, they're an interesting community because although it's a well-known country, they live pretty simple lives. There's not a lot of money there. It's also a Muslim country, so there's very little consumption of alcohol and cigarettes. 
But they do eat a lot of fruit. They eat a lot of salads. They like, if you look at the Algerian cuisine, it's, there's a lot of salad in their food. They like to eat raw vegetables with their meals. They also eat cooked vegetables. They eat a lot of beans. They eat whole grains because there's not a lot of money to have all these factories that process all the goodness out of our food. So they eat the whole wheat out of the ground and they ground it by hand very often and they'll make a flat bread out of whole wheat or out of lentils or out of chickpeas. They use a lot of natural foods, okay? So they're doing a lot of what these other countries are doing. It was very interesting for me to look at this. I was actually shocked at some of the statistics when I was looking at it. And I began to look at it and think, what is it? What is it? Why do we have such low levels of life expectancy in South Africa? But before we get there, let's take a look at some other statistics. So, map of the world. The light colors like these, the gray ones, mean there's no HIV at all in those countries. Any gray patches, there, no HIV. The lighter the color, the less there is people with HIV. The darker the color, so as we get darker, the rates go up. And when you get to this dark brown color over here, that means that there's over one million people living in those countries who are HIV positive. This is what I found frightening. South Africa has the largest population living with HIV. 6.3 million people in our country. In Nigeria, they only have 3.2 million. In India, 2.1 million. That's the end of 2013. The percentage doesn't quite look right to me, but the numbers man must just live with it. The statistics that I saw from percentage point of view was that about 19.1% of our population are HIV positive. If we go to the next country, it's only 3.7%. That's Nigeria. And United States is 0.6% of their population and India is 0.3%. And the reason this is the, even though they've got over a million, their population is much bigger than ours. We only have 55 million. They over have hundreds of millions of people. This gap from here to here, 19 to 3.7, we are the biggest, and then Nigeria. It's a huge gap. It's not 1 or 2%. It's huge. I found myself asking, what is it about South Africa that we have such a huge gap? What is different about our country? Why does everybody want to come and live, everybody in Africa, not in the world, but everybody in Africa wants to come and live in South Africa? What's the reason? Why do people from Malawi want to live here? Zimbabwe, the Congo, Nigerians, why do they come here? Why do you think they come here? Do you think the weather's nicer? Do you think the girls are prettier? Do you think the cars are faster? What is it? Well, I have to just look at this over here. If I look at this at a young man of 22 who doesn't have a car, somebody would say he's a poor man because he doesn't own a car. But if I look at this here and what is being spent, he spends 750 rand a month. I have to think he must be a very wealthy man to have 750 rand a month to just burn. And if I look at a man who spends 2,000 rand a month on beers, I've got to think, you've got to be a really wealthy person to just urinate 2,000 rand into the toilet, because that's where the beer ends up. Serious. 
What is different in this country? We have the most money. That's what we do here. We have the highest level of education in this country in Africa. And we have the most money spent on our medical infrastructure, on medical care. With all this medical care, we have the highest levels of HIV, AIDS. We have the highest levels of heart disease, cancer, and diabetes. Our levels of heart disease, cancer, and diabetes are the same as the United States of America, which is a very wealthy country. What we have here is all the signs that our country is the wealthiest in Africa. We have the highest standard of living. And you may say to me, but I live in a shack. But I'll say to you, do you smoke? Because then you choose. You choose to burn your money rather than live in a house. You choose to urinate your money into the toilet instead of buying a nice car or living in a nice house. It's a choice. In other countries, they don't have that choice. In Algeria, the drinking levels are very low. There isn't the money. I spoke to um, a young guy in Haman's Kroll. No names mentioned. He's a vendor. And he said, you know, what you're saying is quite true. Because I grew up in vendor. And as a child, we ate lots of fruit and vegetables. And we ate lots of whole grains. And we ate lots of beans. Very little meat, not a lot. I'm talking, he's talking about rural vendor, okay? So we're talking about a long time ago when he was a child. And he says, you know, if you go to vendor, there's not a lot of shacks there. He says, I, you don't even see them. There's nice houses. Because people don't drink as much and smoke as much in vendor. They're using their money to buy nice houses. They have, it's a nice place to live. Now, I haven't been to vendor land. I'm not vendor. I don't know. But I asked some other vendors. Are there anybody here who's vendor? I asked people in the following group who are vendor, and they said, no, he's right. That's what he's saying is true. That this same guy has traveled overseas. And he has gone to Italy and Spain, what did he say? And he said, you know what? They don't drink so much in Italy because it's so expensive. You can't afford to drink a beer. Because one beer, what did he say one beer costs? Like 70 or 80 rand. He says, you can't drink even it costs that much. I said, so that's the solution to the problem is put the price up of the beer and the cigarettes? It may not be a bad thing because then we'll get more money for taxes and hopefully those taxes will be used to educate our children. <coughs> we have the most money, okay? We have the most money to spend on bad habits. If we weren't the richest in Africa, how come we've got the most fast food outlets? There's more McDonald's in South Africa than there are in other African countries. There's, and so McDonald's was making so much money. Well, it was first Kentucky Fried Chicken. My husband helped to open that first shop in Ondeka's Road there. They did so well, McDonald's said we're coming soon. And when they arrived, they arrived with a big stick and opened all over. You know who's just arrived? Burger King. 70 stores in like three months or something, they opened all over the place. Do you think Burger King would come here if there was no money? We're all saying there's no money in South Africa, there's no money in South Africa. There's lots of money here. It's what we choose to spend our money on. Instead of being healthy and making this an amazing country, and being healthy and having energy and being able to love our families more and care for them more, we choose to burn our money or urinate it. And it's not a racial thing. It's across the board. My father was an alcoholic. My mother was almost an alcoholic. Both these parents were alcoholics. If I talk to every one of you and tell you, did you grow up in a family or maybe you a person, anybody who has to drink every day of their life has a problem with alcohol. It's a problem. Because you're taking money, and my father did this. My father took money out of our mouths. There were times 
when we got home from school and there was no food in the house. There was times when my mother got home from work and there was no food in the house. And even though my mother worked hard, she still smoked. I used to say to her, how did you smoke when there was no food in the house? How did you figure that one out? She says, I'm embarrassed to tell you. I have no idea. She said, all I can say is that I must have been really selfish because I just thought about myself. We are a very wealthy country and our health is in our own hands. We have the choice to change. You don't have to be a vegan or a vegetarian or anything else. You just need to follow some basic steps. Now these scientists and doctors, I've attended a medical conference in Washington DC last year. Mark and I both attended it. Um, Dr. Neil Barnard heads the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And they've been studying this for years, traveling around the world as well. And they found that the healthiest people eat according to the power plate. Oh, we've got to deal with the dacha. Quickly. This is my conscience. No, you're my reminder here. She knows my talk so well. This is number 23. That she knows when I leave something out. This was the other thing, okay? More money means more bad habits, like drinking and smoking, okay? This is one of the things I want to get to. We have the highest intake of alcohol in the world, in South Africa. We drink more than Russia does. If you take every single liter of alcohol consumed in every country and divide it by the population, South Africa wins every time. Every time. We have the highest levels of alcoholism in this country. We also have the highest levels of HIV. What does alcohol do to the blood sugar? Woo! And what happens when the blood sugar is doing this and not this? Your army can't work. Your army is lame, it's crippled, it's blind, okay? So... Every time we drink alcohol, that's what's happening. We're destroying our immune systems. Every time we smoke a cigarette, we destroy our immune systems. It's a fact. That's what cigarette smoke does. You've got over 200 poisonous substances in the cigarette. Would you put the cigarette in the petrol tank of your car? Why not? Because it's not designed to have cigarettes in it. Your body is beautifully designed. Perfectly designed. And you are doing everything you can to destroy it, okay? We also consume and use more dacha than any other country in the world, more than Jamaica. Bob Marley would want to live here, boy. Where do we have the most HIV in this country? Which province? KwaZulu-Natal. KwaZulu-Natal. And where do we have the most use of dacha in this country? KwaZulu-Natal. Dacha is an immune destroyer. It suppresses and destroys your immune system. If you don't want to be sick, if you don't want to have HIV or get colds and coughs and flu, well then you've got to deal with that stuff. But if you don't care about being sick, then carry on. But I can tell you, all these people that are coming from up north and moving to our country, I think they laugh at us. I think they're saying, listen, those South Africans are crazy. They live in the most beautiful country. They have beautiful weather. They have beautiful women. Let's go down there and we'll just live quietly because they're killing themselves. One day there'll be none of them left and we can just take the country. All right. A power plate. All these scientists did these studies. 
They actually sued the American government based on this and they won. Because they said, you've been telling people the wrong stuff for too long. The people that are healthy or eat like that. One quarter of their plate or what they eat every day is fruit. One quarter is beans. One quarter is grains like whole wheat bread and brown rice. And one quarter is vegetables. And those are the people that are the healthiest. Now you're panicking. Where's the meat? I can see this man is very sad. Very sad. The meat is coming. Here are the five steps and it includes meat. Okay? Let's talk about the meat before I get there. You can raise your hand like this. Look at the palm of your hand. The size of the palm of your hand is the size of how much meat you should not eat more of on a daily basis. Ah. All right, here's the thing, okay? You can eat meat and chicken and fish, but if it's more than 600 grams in a week, all the cancer associations around the world agree on this, more than 600 grams in a week, you're standing in a line to get cancer of some kind. The number one kind of cancer in South Africa is colorectal cancer. In men, the number one cancer is prostate cancer. In women, it is breast cancer. Animal protein feeds it, and it feeds it because animal protein, that's its nature. Dr. Colin Campbell did the biggest study ever done in the world to date. He was a, he, we came from a farming family. They farmed cattle and milk. And he was studying animal feed and he stumbled across research showing that people who ate more vegetables and fruit and less animal products had less cancer. And so for 30 years he studied over a million people all over the world with lots of other scientists and he said you can load the gun for cancer with preservatives, additives, even alcohol and cigarettes but too much protein pulls that trigger of that gun. There is something in meat called arachidonic acid. It pushes up blood pressure, it clots your blood and it um, causes inflammation. And when you have too much of it you will get gout or arthritis. You could have blood clots and have a stroke and you could find your blood pressure is too high and it damages your heart. So if you're trying to avoid heart disease, diabetes and cancer, then your animal protein intake shouldn't be more than 600 grams in a week. Many people are eating that in one day. Some people will eat one steak that weighs a kilogram. But if you're eating more of these foods, your cells in your body are being happy and satisfied so you don't feel like you have to eat all this meat all day long. The reason you want to eat more meat is because it fills your stomach. You're not feeling satisfied. And it will never satisfy you. Because the next day you'll wake up, you want more meat again. They won't satisfy. When you're eating all of that, it satisfies and your meat can be less. So you could have samp and beans with vegetables. I like it with its curried. I learned that from my husband. He comes from the KwaZulu-Natal. They eat curry there. Samp with beans and vegetables in it is delicious. So if you want to put some meat in there, then put your meat in, but not this big fat one kilogram steak or whatever it is. Because the samp and the beans will make you feel full, but they'll also make your cells and your body satisfied. So you don't have this, I'm needing something, I'm needing something. And then it becomes easy. You don't have to focus on, I must stop smoking, I must stop drinking, I can't do this, I could. You don't have to do that. If you're doing that, your body doesn't want that stuff so much anymore. So like my mother came to me. She was smoking a pack of cigarettes from the age of 17 until she was 60. She came to me when she was nearly 60 and she said to me, my medical aid is finished in March. I have no money left in the medical aid because I've had bronchitis and sinusitis and 
every year it's finished. She said, I can't afford to be sick anymore. She said, help me get healthy. But, she said, I will not stop smoking. I love smoking too much. I said, fine. Let's just get you eating better. So we started doing the five steps I'm going to give you. Eating more fruit, eating more vegetables, eating more beans, eating less animal protein. And you know what happened? Two months later, she comes to me and she says, I haven't smoked for two weeks. I said, why? You said you love it. She said, I don't like the taste in my mouth anymore. Because when you feed your cells inside your body what they need, your body will tell you what it wants and what it doesn't and you'll hear it. But you haven't even been getting the SMS that you are too tired. Okay? Right. The power plate is how we should be following and you can eat meat. We need to be doing the following. One meal every day, as much fruit as you can have with nuts and seeds. You've already had some today. Fruit with nuts and seeds. There you've got seeds and raisins. You can have an apple with that or a banana. How many of you could eat one fruit every day, at least one piece of fruit every day? Some raisins or some dates or some bananas or some apples. This is easy. Come on. I didn't tell you to give anything up, have I? This man's arms are folded. You know that body language for I don't like what you're saying. We are passing around some vegetables. They are cucumber and carrots with some herb salt on it. And that's the next step is to start all your meals with raw fruit or vegetables, okay? When you have breakfast, do you think you can start lunch with that? A carrot and cucumber? It's nice. Do you think you can start breakfast with an apple or a banana? This is not hard. Alright, some serviettes down there. Your best snacks are the snacks you've just had. Fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds. That's your best snacks. If you still want the chocolate after the raisins, eat it. But don't eat the chocolate-covered raisins first. Eat the normal raisins first, then the chocolate-covered raisins, okay? Animal protein, not bigger than the size of the palm of your hand. Once a day is the most you should have it. And plan in your future. Maybe in five years' time, you'll be brave enough to do it only three times a week. As you eat more of this food, so your body gets satisfied, okay? And you need between one and three cups of beans a day. You can have chickpeas in a, in a hummus sauce. You can have beans with your uh, samp. You can have a bean. You can make a very nice bean sauce to dip your carrots into. You want to take your carrots here? You dip it into a bean sauce. One can of beans with the water. You have to mash it or blend it in a blender with lemon juice and some salt and pepper. And you blend it up and you dip this in. It's delicious. Children love it. Easy to make and it's really cheap, okay? How many of you can do one of these things? How many of you can do one thing that's on, this, on the screen? One thing. Just one thing. Come on. You've all done it already today. You've done two things that are on the board. Today you have done two things. You're eating some raw vegetables before you eat anything else and you had a snack of fruit and nuts or fruit and seeds. It's not difficult. It's not hard and most of it's for free getting healthy. Have you got any questions you'd like to ask either of us? Any questions? You know, you know what folded arms means when you're listening to somebody talk? means I don't want to hear what you're saying. Either that or you're cold. Yes. Yes. 
Who? Who told you that? <laughs> I'll tell you that wasn't your grandfather. If we look at our culture in Africa, if we look at our grandparents and our great-grandparents, most of us will not live as long as our grandparents. My grand great-grandfather lived to 101, my grandfather to 79, and my father to 57. My brother had a heart attack at 50. He died twice on the table. They had to restart his heart. Because of modern medicine, he survived. He would have been dead at 50. Today, he runs, he does triathlons, he does Ironman, and he's actually, he's an accountant, but he's decided to take up teaching people how to get fit, and he's, a, he's an Ironman trainer. He can train people. He totally changed his diet like this, because he can't survive on. He couldn't live the way he was living. He used to tell me I was stupid. He says, I drink my Coke, and I eat my bacon and eggs and my hamburgers, and look at me, I'm still walking. He was never fat, my brother. Never any fat. He's always been fit, but not as fit as he is now. If we don't change, we've got to go back to our ancestors. How did we live in Africa? There were no fridges and freezers. So they didn't kill an animal every day. They killed it maybe once a week. And then the whole community would eat the animal, but during the week it would be stuff out of the ground and off the trees. Marojo. That green spinach-like plant is more nutritious than spinach. Cultural, traditional foods in Africa are more nutritious than most of the foods we're eating today. Maize is not a natural African grain. It comes from South America. But the natural grains, sorghum, millet. They eat millet in Mozambique. We don't eat it here. We feed it to birds, budgie seed. Millet and sorghum are natural grains. They're way more nutritious than corn and they grow in a drought environment. They don't need lots of water like maize. We've learned to eat maize. It's become our culture because... And I love millies and I love millie meal. My, I was actually born in Zimbabwe, but my parents are South African. And I came here when I was three years old, but I was taught from little to eat sadza, which is millie meal. There's nothing I love more than a bowl of putu and a nice sauce with it. But our grandparents ate millie meal that was hand ground. It was rough and coarse. It wasn't a smooth, fine... That's why our grandmothers can live to 97. Who's got a grandmother that's still alive here? How old is your grandmother? 94. Anybody else? How old is yours? 97. Anybody else? We're not going to live that long. We know what the life expectancy is unless we change. To me, it's not how long I live. I want to wake up with energy. I want to have a stomach that works every day. My bladder must work and my brain must work. I do not want to be an old person like my husband's grandfather who didn't know he was. He was an accountant. He could take four columns of figures like this and add them up faster than my husband could calculate in a calculator. But the last 10 years of his life, he didn't know who he was. He used to go and stand at the wall or by the window and fiddle like this. And his wife would say, what are you doing, Tom? He'd say, I need to go to work. But it was 2 o'clock in the morning and he was in his pajamas. He didn't know who Mark was. Mark was his favorite grandson. Didn't know who he was. He'd say, who are you? And Mark would visit him every day at the nursing home. He never knew who he was. And he walked every day and he ate. He didn't, never ate too much, but he ate normal westernized food. He had white toast in the morning with an egg and some bacon and a cup of tea. He never did too much. It was all in moderation. For lunch he had a tuna salad. Every meal he had animal protein. 
tuna salad. So there was some salad, a cup of tea. In the afternoon and the mornings he would have a cup of tea and a biscuit and supper would be meat and three veg and rice or potatoes. Three times a day he had animal protein. Everything was white. The rice was, ri- the rice was white. The bread was white. Didn't know who he was. So what was the point? I don't want to live like that. I want to die well. Even if I die at 72, it must be a good death. I want to go in my sleep quietly. My personal goal is to live to 120. Because if I can get to 120 and I'm still telling people to get healthy, they'll be very impressed. I'll say, look at me, I'm still driving a car. Look at my hands, they don't shake. Have you got any questions you'd like to ask us? Any questions? He does. He does. And I know Gary Player well. We've actually spent some time with his daughter and son-in-law because they are our best friends in Johannesburg. And um, many years ago, I was in Florida with my husband and Jenny and Peter DeLuca, his daughter, and he had to go to Atlanta and he said to Jenny, I can take two people in the plane with me. And my husband plays golf and he wanted to go in the plane. But Jenny's husband wanted to drive. So us two girls got in to go in the private jet with Gary Player. And we were on the golf channel in America and he said, that's my nutritionist sitting over there. What he knows about nutrition, I taught him because I taught it to his daughter who helped him. And uh, yeah, so I know him well. He eats like this now. He does. And you see this man, eh? He's 80. just turned 80. If you meet him, he says, punch me. And you look at him like, what do you mean punch me? He says, punch me here. Feel, feel, feel this. And then you've got to hit him in his stomach. It's like an ironing board. Solid. There's no lump there. There's nothing. He's got no fat on him, that man. His wife, we had supper with her on Tuesday night. Gary wasn't with her because he was playing golf, a two-day event in Scotland for Mercedes-Benz. At 80, he's doing golfing events. That man will live to 120. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. So yeah, there's lots of people that do live like that. And you don't have to, as I say, you don't have to be vegetarian. Don't focus on taking anything away. Just add more fruit and vegetables. Just keep adding more fruit and vegetables. Start with some raw fruit or vegetables before lunch, breakfast, lunch and supper. You can do this. You can do this. You can walk out of here today and say, I can do this. We've got several copies of the books that we're leaving with all the different teams. Alright, everybody has a copy. We've been giving the copy, several copies. You can borrow it, you can read it, it'll help you. If you need more help, you can get go on the WhatsApp or you can get the 100 Days to Help. You can also email us. There's no charge. It's all included here. We want to help you. Don't go out today and not do one thing. Just do one thing. Take one thing home with you and say, I will eat a carrot before I eat my meat. I will have a tomato before I go to McDonald's. Just one thing. And you'll see your life start to change slowly. Don't change fast. If you change fast, you'll give up in two weeks' time. Slow little things. 
You can't walk for 20 minutes, you walk for 5 minutes every day at the same time every day. And the book explains things like that if you do need to read it. So it is available. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Go well. Top all the way down.